Bring yourself back online. Remember. Oh my god. What a fucking episode. <laughs> oh, Jared. Continue the maniacal laughter. We're going to be here for a long time, I feel. We are. And here is Freeze All Motor Functions. Welcome back. We are a Westworld podcast. It doesn't sound like anything to me and doesn't take itself too seriously. I am Jared Borislow here with Ross Bolin. I'm Ross Bolin here with Jared Borislow. Coming to you today, as always, from Grand X Media headquarters in Austin, Texas, with our Monday episode recapping and reviewing Westworld Season 2, Episode 4, The Riddle of the Sphinx. The Riddle of the Sphinx. I'll be honest. Uh, I'm excited to hear what the meaning of this, this episode title is. Also... I'm very happy that we have no cold open this week. I don't know if my heart could physically handle three in a row. Yeah, seeing that intro sequence was very relieving. I needed that. Like, it was a calming relief. And I'll give you a hint uh, as far as the meaning of this uh, title goes. You know Sphinx? You know what a Sphinx is? I do. Uh, it involves the the alternate definition of Sphinx, which is one's sphincter. Can't tell if kidding. Uh, we'll find out soon. I want to start off the show, like always, by thanking you, the guests, for many things. Listening, for rating, reviewing, subscribing, for be- just being there, for existing. We love you. Also, for participating in our second ever meme contest on Twitter. This was the Good Guy Rebus meme. Fantastic meme. Uh, disappointing to not get more Good Guy Rebus in last night's episode, I have to say. But it is what it is. I'm sure we'll get him soon enough. We could not have gotten less, so we can only go up from here. That's true. This is the baseline. The winner of the Good Guy Rebus meme contest is at Corey Esk on Twitter. Corey, you win. You win a $25 Man Outfitters gift card. Uh, his winning Good Guy Rebus meme was top text, please as himself in Grand Theft Auto Five. bottom text, obeys all traffic laws. <laughs> uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, if you listen to our season one watch through, we talked a shit ton about Game of, or not Game of Thrones, sorry, about Grand Theft Auto. I mean, also Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, that was more of a season two thing. And season one was a lot about Grand Theft Auto uh, because Rebus was apparently actually in, the the actor who plays Rebus was in Grand Theft Auto. And so this astute listener who either listened to our season one watch through or just recognized Rebus from Grand Theft Auto decided to play on that. And it was much appreciated. Yeah. uh, Trevor Phillips in the 2013 video game Grand Theft Auto V. He was even historically accurate to the video game itself. He uh, crushed his video game performance. One of the best video game characters maybe ever. I will go out on them and say. And another fun fact, uh, Ptolemy Slocum, who plays Sylvester, is also a Grand Theft Auto. I think he was in, what, Liberty City, I believe? I don't know. It's a little fun fact for you. Another fun fact, Stephen Ogg, who plays Rebus, was also a guy named Simon on The Walking Dead. Huh. He's 6'3", and he's Canadian. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's all you needed to know about Rebus, although I don't actually think you could know too much about him. Congrats to Corey at Corey Esk. DM us, and we'll get you your $25 Man Outfitters gift card. And if you didn't win that contest, but you still are a total badass, what you should do what? is buy one of the Freeze on Motor Functions t-shirts. We got tees. You know what, Corey? You did win the contest. You should probably buy one, too. We have t-shirts now. The official Freeze All Motor Functions t-shirt. It is a unbelievable tee. 
We we spent about about two years designing this T-shirt before Westworld season one even came out. We yeah, we started. We, we were hard at work uh, when we found out we actually got a preview uh, of the pilot episode about what six months before it aired yep. on HBO, and that's when we began design work on this T-shirt. It's been a grueling process, but I think we finally got something we're happy with. Uh, you can find it at grandexshop.com and then click on freeze all motor functions. There are two color options. Uh, one is athletic heather. That's gray. And one is white. And they have blue block letters and it says freeze all motor functions on it. Uh, and then there's a little stripped down version of our logo. A little nod to uh, the boys in blue who are, is us in this case. Apparently we are the boys in blue. Yeah. That's, no. that's, that's, that's like cops, isn't it? It's a good T. It is. Oh, I, that, I'm not trying to steal Valor. I, I, we have, our logo is blue. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Don't misrepresent yourself. I'm not as trying a police to police that. officer. That's I didn't. A, I didn't really know. That's I didn't actually, realize that's what that was. That's a felony. Started, oh, it, that actually is a felony. Felony offense. Great tease, though. Uh, get yourself one. Represent for the host and the guests alike out there in the public. And you can use code Freeze for 15 percent off on it. Uh, thank you to everyone who has bought one thus far, and I. We here's the deal: that money indirectly goes toward paying me and Ross's salary. Indir not, indirectly, not indirectly. I mean, somewhat indirectly. Directly. <laughs> directly. Well, it's not like it's not like hey, you buy it, it goes right to me. It goes to no, the no, company no, that pays our salary. But it's still well, okay, secondarily. There we go. If you want to support me and Ross secondarily, do it. Two people. Who did buy the shirt? I I said on Twitter. I said if you buy a shirt and tweet a screenshot at us, we will compliment the shit out of you on the podcast. And two people did that. Let's dish out those compliments. Which is not everybody who bought a shirt, but these two people were keen enough to do it. Here we go. Two number one t-shirt buyer, Alex from Detroit-ish. You are handsome. He's a he's a good-looking guy. He is. He's what a also, handsome man. He is also a musician who plays under the name Al Chalant, and he claims to be revitalizing Detroit's punk rock scene. Holy shit. And I'm here to tell you that he most certainly is revitalizing Detroit's punk rock scene. Did you listen to his tunes? I did. I checked out his album uh, from six years ago called We Don't Fuck Around in Detroit. And this dude has some serious punk rock chops. I'm sorry. The album's titled We Don't Fuck Around in Detroit. Yes. That is an incredible ad I know. album title. I got into punk rock from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. And this guy is continuing on that trend for me. Wow. So check him out. Al Chalant. Uh, thanks for buying a shirt, Alex. Next up is April. Uh, I'll tell you right now. April checked out her Twitter account. She is a phenomenal tweet aggregator. Total babe. Yeah. Great tweet aggregator. She doesn't tweet much, but she retweets a lot, and a lot of it is gold. So if you're somebody who's like, oh, damn, I want to find more funny tweets, but I don't know I don't know where to get these tweets from. I'm not, I'm not good at finding good tweets. This is who you, you go to is April. At April Showers 625 on Twitter. Really was hoping it was going to be at April Showers 69, but it's okay. You can't get everything you want. No. Thank you for buying a shirt, April. Again, if you buy a t-shirt, tweet a screenshot at us, you'll get gassed up on the show. Um, okay. Here's the deal. We're going to get into the show now. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm mentally ready. Sort of. Episode four, The Riddle of the Sphinx. We had an email from a listener. Uh, the Bone Man, I believe his name is. What? I could be wrong. What? His name is Jackson Bone. Ah, the bone man. He's, I'm also the bone man. We're bone boys together. Jackson, uh, I wanted to read his little note that he gave me about the uh, title of this episode. Here's what he said. Uh, the riddle of the Sphinx is used in many versions of myth. Uh, the whole deal of it is, the, here's the riddle. Which creature has one voice 
and yet becomes four-footed and two-footed and three-footed? Um, and the answer is man, because you go from baby, who's four-footed, because you're crawling on all fours, to adult, which is two-footed, because you're walking upright. And then three-footed is an old person, and the third foot is the cane or the stick. I know you probably thought it was... I did. I thought it was the penis. You thought it was the penis. I knew that's what you thought. I did. I'm sorry. It was not, though. Okay. It's it's the cane and the stick. Um, and if you incorrectly answered this riddle, or you tried to subvert its law, the Sphinx destroyed you. Oh, fuck. So It's quite the punishment. Uh-huh. Destruction. So subverting the law, there's two people in this episode who do subvert that law. That would be James Delos. Uh-huh. And he gets punished by not ever getting out of the room. It's quite a shame, Very this situation. It does, it's not ideal. At least he's in a loop, though, and he doesn't seem to remember how, the terribleness of it. I have a lot to say about that later. Uh, and then you also have... The man in black who was trying to subvert it by doing this stuff with James Dellis. And he's also smited by his daughter and wife pretty much leaving his life. And then re-entering it yeah. in this episode. Yeah. So good thoughts, Jackson Bone. Good thoughts. Any more comments on that? Nope. I think the Bone Man pretty much got it covered. The description of this episode, is this now, if you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction. Which it seems like a combination of the Bernard shit plus the uh, Lawrence's daughter shit. What a living hell. <laughs> this episode was the first ever one directed by Lisa Joy. Lisa Joy. Directorial debut. Uh, what a way to what make a, an entrance. What a fucking debut. It, it begs the question, hey Lisa, why haven't you directed all of the episodes? Uh, yeah. No, I get it. It's, it's a, if you're wondering that exact thing why the sh one of the showrunners Lisa Joy who's writing this thing with Jonathan Nolan, Jonathan Nolan uh, why she wouldn't direct more episodes based on how incredibly well this one turned out it is an entirely different endeavor it's very time consuming it's the same reason that you see the showrunners on Game of Thrones jump in and direct an episode here and there but the big takeaway here is shows like Westworld shows like HBO, uh, Game of Thrones HBO is putting a massive amount of resources and money into these and you have to spread out the directing duties or it just becomes too much to bear like it's too much for one person to carry so that's why if you're wondering because obviously i am unaware of anybody who disliked the episode mm -hmm. i thought it was maybe better than any episode we've ever seen of the show and uh i would love to see more lisa joy hopefully we get another one mixed in maybe later in the season i don't know Indeed. I, I hope so as well. Uh, yeah, it's essentially like you're directing a movie because it's an Pretty hour much. and 13 minutes long. It's just a short movie. Yeah. Insane. We got no cold open this week. Go right to the opening scene after the intro. The Rolling Stones' Play With Fire is played, and it's not a cover. It's the actual song being played on a, a record player. We see James Dellos walking around inside a room that's straight out of the 50s, 60s. I don't really know that the difference between those eras, but it's... One of those two. Was it? I mean, it was. It was. You had the record player. You had kind of the furniture and stuff. Very. It was like a like a, a futurist kind of 50s, 60s style room. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It was. It was freaking me out. I know that. Yeah. Uh, so James Delos, what do you think of the move he does, where he rinses his mouth out while peeing and then gargles and then spits that load into the toilet? This is. Uh, I knew. It, well, God, I wish he didn't call it a load. But uh, the God. Uh, this is a rich guy, old, old, rich, white guy move. That's what this is. Is it? Yeah. This is, uh, I don't give a fuck anymore. 
uh, I have so much money that nobody can tell me what to do. I'm di- I'm I'm disgusting behind closed doors. <laughs> what happens if you do that in front of your wife? I don't think he cares. Well, you know, he well, his wife. We know what happened to her. No, I'm saying if he did do it in front of his wife, oh, I don't think he cares what she thinks. Yeah, and he That's, has a lot of money, so you're she past put- the point of caring what other people think if you are rinsing and spitting. <laughs> While you were peeing. Yeah, it's a disgusting move. I can't, I can't imagine it all gets in the toilet. So he's wearing all black with a long sleeve uh, black shirt at this point. He looks super bored in here. We get the feeling he's been in here for a while. And then things get a little funky. We see him hooked up to some sort of brain scanning thing. And then we see him convulsing while in bed and asleep. And then we see that he can't pour milk properly. We didn't get Rebus in this episode, but we got a lot of milk. Plenty of milk. So it's kind of like Rebus was here in spirit. By default, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It made me feel kind of good. Yeah. I miss him. It's sick, but every time I pour milk in my cereal in the morning now, I think of Rebus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time I see a cow, I think of Rebus too. Yeah. Uh, he has a visitor. Jimmy Delos has a visitor. Um, and he's now changed into a blue long sleeve polo. The visitor is Will I Am from Black the Black Eyed Peas. What? It's Will I Am. No, it's not. Okay, well, it's a Will I Am. It's William as in William. What's wrong with you? This is confusing enough as it is, dude. Do you have to do that? I don't think people, I don't think any listener was like, oh, damn, did I miss the cameo from Will I Am where he met Jim Delos in the room? I think that's very clearly a joke, Ross. Literally just happened to the guy sitting next to you, but I'm easily, I'm I'm gullible. You thought you missed a Black Eyed Peas Will I Am cameo? Yeah, so I've started watching these real high (laughs) and uh, like way higher than normal. Like the last two, I've just been completely stoned. And I got to tell you, it's one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done in my entire life. Like, you know how this show is mind-blowing? Like, yeah. there are plenty of moments in the last couple episodes where you're like, holy shit. Now multiply that by like 100, and that's me on my couch. At some points, I'm convulsing. Uh, and you're talking to your dog too, right? Because I just can't handle it. Like, it's so fucking good. Anyway, so yeah, Will I Am could have been in the episode. You could you could have convinced me of that pretty easily, and I would have been like, man, that's crazy. Because also, he is an actor who appears in things. He was in the X-Men movies and shit. Okay, well, you've convinced me that maybe I missed a Will I Am cameo. Trash group, by the way. Black Eyed Peas. Not a fan. I live, Just a quick aside, because I know we don't, you know, we need to fill time here. There's not enough to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I lived above a bar in college that would jam that fucking Black Eyed Peas song. Tonight's gonna be a good night. <laughs> and the sound would come up through the floorboards. And this happened for like a year and a half. And as a result, I despise Fergie, Will I Am, and whatever the other guy's name is. I don't they can know. all they can all die. I forget his name, but he has a great verse in Where's the Love? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, sorry. I'm sorry to take us on. Mr. Delos is happy to see William and even happier to see whiskey because the most potent thing they'll give him is grapefruit juice, which is pretty potent. It's the most most potent juice. Thank fuck for that. Yeah, it's the most potent juice there is. So, but I guess he really wants his whiskey. We learn that Delos owns a biotechnology company and he defunded the research toward whatever disease he ended up dying of. So there's some irony at play here. There is. Possibly the Sphinx is doing. Ooh. As a result of uh, him trying to uh, subvert. Subvert. I like the word that, that the bone man used, subvert. That's good work. So William begins to conduct an interview to establish a baseline for Delos. He's all fidgety throughout all this. Someone get this man a spinner. This man needs this man needs a fidget spinner. Delos is fidgety. Delos is fidgety. He yeah, he's really bouncing his knee. Yeah. Uh, it, this is, he's got restless leg syndrome. Mm-hmm. 
Irritable bowel syndrome. We have no idea. That's where the sphinx yeah, that's, comes in. That's the other part. <laughs> we have no idea what's going on here. Um, but you have to, if you didn't at least get a clue off of the establishing a baseline and the fact that William is not actually explaining anything to Delos, um, then you weren't paying very close attention. Like this is, you should have been like, okay, this might be host yeah. Delos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. William says the purpose of this interview is Fidelity, uh, which, as you all know, is a multinational financial services corporation based in Boston, Massachusetts, and founded by Edward C. Johnson II in 1946. Yeah, so what did he mean by that? Because Fidelity is also something about marriage and like being faithful, I believe. So I looked at all the definitions of Fidelity, uh, and it actually wasn't the multinational financial services corporation. It's, uh, I believe what he meant here was the definition that is accuracy and exactness. So William says the point of this interview is to uh, test okay. Okay. his accuracy and exactness. And Dallas says the point of this interview is to see if I can repeat it back later. Seems pretty pointless, dude. And William's like, lol. And then he hands him the, the, yeah. the manuscript. Because I was like, at first, I was like, if the point of this interview is sexual faithfulness to a spouse or partner, then I'm, <laughs> I'm really lost already. And, and Did you cheat on my mother-in-law? Yeah, I was very confused. Yeah. Um, so William hands our piece of paper. We don't see what it is yet. We later know it is the manuscript dialogue of their conversation yes so the way that i looked at these scenes just to get this out of the way now because we see many of them in this episode is that william comes in to test his ability to like stay on the script right which is a good thing maybe i can't really tell if they're trying to see if he is supposed to stay on the script or break away from or break away from it or both. Uh, yeah, it's this is strange. And that was one of the big questions I had about this episode. Because obviously their end goal here is to have Delos functioning as Delos. As if he was alive mm-hmm. in a host's body. Which would require total consciousness and the ability to improvise on every level. So why is there a script? And maybe that's just the step they're at. The phase they're in. I don't know. But the fa- And I also... my One of my bigger questions was like... How... Because we're not obviously not seeing every test they've ever done, yeah. right? So how periodically are they coming in to test him? They've done 149 in around 30-ish years. And each one of them is at least one day long. We know they've gotten up to, this one was what, 30-something, 30, 30... Well, we'll talk about it later. But Man, this this would get some seriously repetitive. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, fuck, i got to go in and have the same conversation with this dude again. Well, this baseline talk reminds me a lot about the bootstrapping consciousness talk. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So to me, it seems like maybe... He's supposed to stay on the script, and then eventually he'll pull a Dolores and break away from it. Yeah. It's like they need to get him to, be, to, to operate as a host on script, and then from there... Yeah, exactly. Take the next step. Because it seems like William's like kind of decently happy with how he's doing, and then he always just starts fucking up, or his fucking fidgeting starts acting up, and he's like, ah, oh, shit, not this again. Time to, time to play with fire and blow the whole room up. Which is another play with fire little reference in Seems there. Seems unnecessary to, to uh, what is the word? Eviscerate? No, no, no. Exterminate? No. Terminate? Incinerate. 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 Thank you, intern Luke. Uh, to incinerate the entire room. Plenty of nice furniture and things in there. Have a garage sale. What? So are they, here's the thing. The room is the exact same every time. So they're going and refurnishing it entirely. It's like nobody at any point was like, hey guys, you know, we could just incinerate him. <laughs> And t- like take him out of the room and incinerate him in a much smaller, cheaper incinerator. But I get it. Delos has a lot of money. Uh, they're looking for things to waste it on. Yeah, exactly. And I actually thought that we it's were a tax gonna, write-off. I thought we were going to get a different 
uh, setting inside the room. The next time. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, surely yeah. we're going to see this again. And surely because they set this room on fire, the next <laughs> room will be different. And they'll see if that alters the results. Nope. Same room. Same exact setup every time. Bizarre. Man in Black and Lawrence. Lawrence says, no whiskey, no tobacco, low on ammo. Whatever, wherever it is you're taking me, we best get there soon. We learn here, Lawrence's top three things are whiskey, tobacco, and ammo. Ross, what are yours? Oh, fuck. Okay, that's tough. Uh, weed would replace whiskey for me. Okay. Tobacco maintains its its, <laughs> its spot. Uh, I don't know what the third is because I'm not a gun guy. Like, I actually have one Just, gun. It was given to me, but I have no ammo for it, and that's not a complaint. Well, I what probably can you, don't need any. What can you not live without? And cheese enchiladas, right? Okay, let's go weed, tobacco, Fortnite. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mine are Rocket League. Shouts to the Rocket Boys out there. Grilled Meat with Char. Shouts to the Char Chicks out there. And Kombucha. Shouts to the Booch Brigade. What the fuck is wrong with you? Speaking of grilled meat, we here at Grand X are currently running a free-to-enter giveaway where we teamed up with a meat company, a company that just sells meat. This is the most incredible tie-in we've ever done. Thank you. And are giving away $2,000 in meat and Man Outfitters gift cards with five chances to win. It is completely free to enter. All you have to do is go to manoutfitters.com, and you might be getting a freezer full of meat. Meat. It's what's for dinner, lunch, and breakfast if you win. If you're, yeah, exactly. So check it out, manoutfitters.com. Go enter. Totally free. Super easy. Takes two seconds. Boom. Great tie-in, Jared. Holy is, shit. Is there a vegetarian option? It is 2018. Uh, there are many of us out there who don't eat meat. I'm not one of them. How about this? If you win and you are a vegetarian, I will take the meat off your hands. That is really nice of you. You're, 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 thank you. They stumble across a nice, innocent, seemingly historically accurate uh, railroad track lane team because they're Chinese, which is how it actually was out west. Yeah, because at first my thought was like, oh, shit, this is parks something else that's made their way. But no, this is literally the Chinese built the railroads in the Wild West. Mm -hmm. So, So of course, they didn't build them quite like this. (laughs) That's what I was going to say. It's a little bit different of a a strategy here. Historically accurate until we have a bunch of Chinese people... uh, I guess they ran out of wood, so they're just laying they corpses well, down. Well, just use humans. They're not even corpses yet. They're turning them into corpses <laughs> yeah, by what? railroading them, literally. But uh, There's no it, way this is the best option. This is weird. So is this like the result of a glitch-out type of situation? These guys being off their loop? or Because like, a train, I'm guessing, can't actually use humans as tracks. Right? Well, but, they're, they're covering the humans in sand, so it's kind of like a... Dude... A train rolling down a track made of human corpses is not going to be a train for very long. It sounds like how you get into hell is you ride through it on a train through track of human corpses. Whatever it is. It's amazing how unfazed the man in black is by all this. Like even, dude, considering all that this guy has been through, I get it. He has seen pretty much everything, but you never, you can't prepare yourself for that. No. People are getting spiked through the head. Yeah. Uh, and all he says is, Huh, this railroad's supposed to head north, not west. Also, what was that about? He knew- So it just is that another indicator that these Chinese guys have broken away from yeah. what they're supposed to be yeah. doing? Okay. They're they're doing what probably Ford has programmed them to do. Or Ford's what, a real sick fuck, man. He was is. a real or maybe is, I don't know. R.I.P. or not. Either that he programmed them to do it or they're just off their loop just doing whatever whatever the hell they want. And he notices that this new track detours through Las Mudas. Um, and Lawrence tries to deflect away from heading there like he's programmed to do. And this makes Man in Black sure that that's the place to go because that's where Lawrence's family lives. That's why he's trying to deflect him away. Yeah, we've been there before. We have been there before. Um, multiple times. 
And the man in black's like, okay, we're going. Ford's arranging a, a reunion, I guess. And uh, and then we're on to the next scene where my notes are. Let me. Oh, what? Go, go ahead. Oh, my, for the next scene? No, I have a question, though, real quick. Yeah, go. Um, do you. Okay, so the man in black, multiple times in this episode, makes reference to the fact that Ford is, you know, leading them somewhere or taking them somewhere. Do you think he has put too much stock into. The whole Ford is built like I'm. I, I find myself questioning whether or not Ford is behind each and everything that he believes Ford is behind. I think Ford is just because we see Ford talk through Lawrence's daughter. Yeah, that's true. But it also just seems like Ford plays a lot of games. Why would you fully trust his game? This is the only really game he's playing, and it's with the Man in Black. Like Bernard says, we're in Ford's game, but he just means this new narrative is his game because he's trying to like just explain the overall thing to Elsie. It's just a lot going on. It is. I don't know why he spent so much time doing this with the Man in Black. It's it's a lot. I like, but we, we the know. games have to tie together. Like, oh yeah, he wasn't like, all right, I'm gonna design this big game. This is gonna be my whole life. Uh, it's gonna be crazy. But then I'm also gonna design this side game for my boy William because <laughs> no. uh, why not? William is an integral part of this of the overall narrative. of the big game. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. The next scene, my notes, Elsie, 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 Elsie. This was one of the happiest moments of my entire life. Uh, we, first of all, I just want to say, I feel like we called that she wasn't dead. If we didn't all the way come out and say it, I I, I was very happy to oh, see yeah. her again. There was never a doubt in my mind. Not even for a second. And apparently her name was in the opening credits. I didn't even catch that. So like it was, it was, it was obvious from... Was it ever removed, though? Oh, probably, probably not. You know, I'm gonna guess no. Um, either way, Clementine drags Bernard out to a cave, gives him a gun, and leaves. Bernard takes the gun and walks into the cave. And I was super, unbelievably hyped at this point. Do you know why? Why? I thought this was the wolf's den, and we were getting more wolf. Oh, like I literally would come out and have a conversation with him. I stood up and started clapping, and I was like, "Yeah, it's the wolf." It wasn't the wolf. Psycho. Hey, it, props to Clementine for having uh, extreme lower body and arm strength because she drags grown human beings around with little to no effort. And we learned that there's nothing near that cave for miles from Elsie. That means she dragged Bernard by his like shirt collar for miles. And Unbelievable some, strength. Something about mindless zombie Clementine is just like even a little bit hotter. You're a fan? I don't know what that's about. It probably means something sick about me. If you're a psychiatrist, please don't yeah, analyze you, you, it. It just, yeah. just is what it is. Yeah, it's, you're you're like a Walking Dead cosplayer, kind of. Fidelity. <laughs> yeah, you're married. Bernard takes the gun, walks into the cave, and we find out that Elsie is back. Elsie back. Why what? the gun? Uh, to defend him, or to, so he, just so he can so he can defend himself. I don't know. Maybe it was so Elsie could take him hostage. Maybe Bernard, maybe it was playing that far ahead. For the record, if somebody drags me to a cave, uh, sets me down, leaves me a rifle, and walks off, I'm, I'm not going in the cave. I'm sprinting in the opposite direction. <laughs> I was like, whoa, dude, what are you doing? Like, You're just going to go right into the cave? That's clearly what you want you to do, and you have no idea what her intentions are. It was just, yeah. just kind of funny. Elsie uh, comes back with a great first line. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, because obviously well, this, this is the guy who choked her out <laughs> it's the guy who put her there yeah yeah but she's pretty pissed at him for the whole choking out thing uh, Bernard helps get her free and is celebrating her being okay but Elsie still is pissed and so she just takes him hostage uh, so how long has she been out there did she say 
Um, it's been not too too long, probably like a week. But she's like, I woke up chained to this fucking cave yeah. and all, with a bunch of protein bars. Yep. She, uh, that's what Bernard did. He choked her out and then left her in a cave with uh, a, a bunch of fucking protein bars and a bucket. And it could be argued, well, for, is it, the bucket was for poo, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. It could be argued that, that Bernard is not the one who did this. It's, it's Ford. Yeah. Right? yeah no, and that's what, that's what Bernard's argument is. So. You notice we didn't get the poo bucket on screen. Thank God. Uh, what? <laughs> why do you think Ford made the decision to keep Elsie around? I think that he knew she had good intentions. She wasn't like Teresa, who was fucking going behind his back and like stealing data out of the park. Elsie is just a worker of his who's literally just doing her goddamn job. Like wanted to make sure everything was as good as possible and yeah. working correctly. And uh, okay, so well, I mean, it's just, it's just a big move because now we have essentially two people who have been chosen by. Ford mm -hmm. to help carry out whatever his plan is, and that's Bernard and now Elsie. So yeah, I'm inclined to believe that Ford's not that involved with like the goings on of all the stuff besides Williams' storyline because I think he just set everything free and then like left and dipped right. out. Like I don't think Ford has mapped out Dolores's move by move by move because yeah, because she's she's like, off the loop exactly. Yeah. But my my thing is Bernard is really convinced that Ford told Clementine to bring him back to this cave. He's very convinced about that. Right. I, Which I, is, uh, it's, it's just complicated. Yeah. Like, do we think that Ford actually, we know that Ford can talk to this Clementine because he, when Bernard tries to use her to kill him, he uh, is already, he stops her. Yeah. Ford stops her. So like, we know he can control this Clementine, but he's dead. Like, do you think he programmed her to bring him back at some point? I don't know. It's still very much, you know, up in the air for me. Whether or not he's actually dead. Yeah, I agree. Especially with how the end of this episode goes. Mm -hmm. Bernard lays out everything for Elsie, how it was Ford's idea. Uh, she knew too much and Ford couldn't risk her getting in the way of his new narrative for the whole thing behind choking her out. He tells her all the hosts are free with no constraints. Doesn't say he's a host, but Elsie finds that out when he has her take his tablet and get him all patched up. She seemed to get over him being a host way faster than I did. Took her like 15 seconds. And then yeah, she like, stopped caring. The, consider all the things that Elsie has missed. <laughs> She has been there for this entire season so far, since last season's what finale? I think when she got no, no, before that. Oh, she yeah, she's it's been like episode for, seven or some shit. Yeah, she's been gone for a while. Uh, so she's missed fucking everything. Mm -hmm. And yes, she she's been very poop, quickly, pooping in a bucket. Been pooping in a bucket, eating protein bars, which I I have to assume just doesn't make for very pleasant poop when that's your only <laughs> no. your only dietary supplement. But <laughs> she gets over him being a host very quickly. Yeah, and we get another great Elsie line before she patches him up. Don't worry, I'm not going to brick you, asshole. Not yet. You got too much shit to answer for. Which is such a... It's kind of like a... Almost... It's like the old way of thinking for me because she's so cocky. Like, it's almost like I'm the one who's deciding that you're yeah. going to live or not live or whatever. And that's like... That's really not the case no. anymore <laughs> with these guys. Not They're at all. very much got the upper hand at this point. Elsie puts Bernard in safe mode. We get a Bernard montage that we now know to be major foreshadowing because it involves the drones and the whole James Dellos facility and Bernard murking everybody. Yes. Uh, if this Bernard montage came true, I'm now saying that Bernard montage from episode one coming true is confirmed. Totally confirmed. Bernard ransacks a control room in the Mesa Hub. Confirmed. I thought we, I thought we confirmed this didn't happen. No, 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 no. I'm confirming now that it that it, it will. Mm. Okay. Confirmed. 
Confirmed. Um, Bernard wakes up with an "Is this now?" and which is from the description it's of the show. It's also not the first time he's done this. No, it's. Can you imagine if you had a, if you had a friend who would be like, "Dude, is this now?" Yeah, you get really annoying. It's like, dude, yes. Where? When else could it be? What is that? What is that? Yeah. What's the answer to that question? Come on. Because like any, t- if I ever hear that answered, like he just wants, he just wants like reassurance. You know, it's just he the, knows. the concept again is that. He is in a place where he cannot distinguish memory from reality. reality. Yeah. Bernard wakes up with an is this now, and Elsie is still pointing the gun at him. She can somehow tell by how he has extensive cortical damage that he shot himself, which I don't understand. Well, while he was out, she clearly did a full diagnostic on him and was able to determine the source of the issue. Ah, okay. And the source of the issue is that he put a fucking hole through the back of his head. She says, if I didn't know any better, so it's probably like... Bernard shoots gun at this time and then like millisecond later Bernard dies. Well, but you have to assume there must there's clearly some physical damage still to his system, to yeah. his head, I'm assuming. So well, like however he got fixed up, he didn't get fixed up all the way. What I was thinking was this, like a execution style murder would have the exact same effect on his brain. But normally when people are murdered, when hosts are murdered, they're taken into a place where they're completely repaired, right? Where they're supposed to be completely repaired. We've seen what happened with Maeve. When she didn't get completely repaired, she had like an infection of sorts. What I'm wondering is, after we saw Bernard shoot himself, which Ford basically made him do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, back in, in cold storage, who came in and fixed him up and got Felix. him? Felix. He, he patched him up and he's like, shit ton of damage to your cortical... Uh, something your cortical shield ton of damage your well, cortical shield. the cortical fluids leaking yeah so yeah there's he still needs to be repaired totally my my concern was just like she immediately was like i think you shot yourself when that could be the same amount of damage from an execution style headshot well you know? but she must have seen like you said i think she must yeah, have seen she it in the it uh, in the log but then this also i got one more question like do you think the end game here with cortical damage bernard is bernard being transferred into a new bernard Yes. Okay. I think that happens. Because we've seen yeah. in the previews, there's a situation where perhaps there's more mm-hmm. than one Bernard. When you said log like 30 seconds ago, was that was that an LC poop joke? It wasn't. Um, but we can just go ahead and safely assume that any other log reference here on out is. Okay, good. We learned from Elsie that we still have Crank Bernard chasing that cortical fluid dragon. She gave him another temporary fix. Dude, he, she's like, everybody helping up Bernard is like a shitty mechanic. It's like, hey, man, I patched you up, but it'll be another 300 bucks if you want to get that yeah. fixed, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bernard chases after her because she just starts running. She's like, you'll be fine until park security comes. And she just walks away. And Bernard's like, uh, au contraire, mademoiselle. He's, Bernard is French in this paraphrase I'm doing. Uh-huh. There's nobody coming for them. Uh, because whatever is hidden in the park isn't safe yet, and Delos won't call in the rescue until it is. It's funny because, like, because he's a host, she doesn't see him as a source of help or information. No. But really, she should have been like, "So, what's the situation? Update me on everything that's going on." Like, why didn't she ask more questions? It's just the fact that he has to be like, "Hey, uh, no, no one is coming. This is also his explanation that there's something in the park that they need, and until they've ensured its safety, they're not going to come help everyone else." I know we asked this question last week, but that doesn't make sense to me. Why would, if I own a park and everything's going haywire in the park and there's just one thing in that park that I need badly that's more valuable than everything else combined, 
wouldn't I send in a team to extract that thing? Yes. Yes, you would. So this is, it's just weird to me. I still don't get it. I'm sure there's an explanation further down the road because that's too big of a hole to make sense. But we're we're yet to find out. They need to, is it like, they'll just let everybody die and then, I don't know. Yeah, we'll figure it out. It just seems like they're giving, they're letting the chance, the off chance that that thing they need is damaged or destroyed happen. Which, did Ellie not potentially just blow the fuck up the thing they might be coming to save? <laughs> Ellie? Elsie? Elsie. I call her Ellie. We're good friends. What does she blow up? Uh, James Delos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's probably the information and shit that's in there, but like, I'm sure they're not going to be too happy with that. I mean, all that, that Delos was insane, but time rolls on, as does the podcast. Um, <laughs> Elsie says that... Even if she wanted to uh, stay and help him out and help him get cortical fluid, that they're in sector 22 and there's nothing else around for miles. Okay. Finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, go on. But we eventually see them entering and exiting a, an elevator. But it's hidden. They should, she doesn't know about it. But it has number 12 on it. Yes. That's oh. not the sector number. That's like the lab number for the Delos research. Okay. But yeah, here, after... There's nothing around for miles. Uh, Bernard starts kind of doing a little thing, doing a little head thing, freaking out. Finally, cue the introduction of the multiple Bernards we've been teased with for so long as one Bernard walks right by the other Bernard into the cave. Just kidding. That's not what happens. It's just just another flashback. That's not it at all. We still don't know what the multiple Bernards are, and it's pissing me off. This isn't necessarily even so much like, do you still classify it as a flashback because it's kind of him it's a seeing memory, the yeah. past play out in front of him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it's a flashback. Yeah, it's it's a living flashback. Live, yeah, yeah. Um, so that he, this living flashback Bernard uh, walks into the cave. Bernard remembers that there is a facility in the cave and believes that Ford had Clementine bring him to the cave for a reason. Uh, one more little time slip clue and old Bernie finds the entrance. Elsie and Bernard go down the elevator and we learn this is number 12. Number 12 of what? I do not know, but number 12 regardless. It's actually one of the only things we do know in this show is that this is number 12. That's it. the number one and two in 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 uh, in order, right? Like that is 12. I saw it on the door. T-W-E-L-V-E is how it's spelled in, with letters. It is 12. They encounter a whole lab full of death, destruction, and a control unit printer, which we've never heard of before, but is apparently a humongous deal. Things have gone badly in this lab, it appears. No, no bueno. Bernard looks down at it and flashes back to a time when he was in there while things were running normally. Elsie sees a cute, fuzzy drone host for the first time and proceeds to blow his fucking brains out. Yeah. She she didn't really... Yeah. It. I was surprised that these drone hosts went down as easily as they did. And very human-looking uh, insides. Like, it looked like what it would look like when it, if a human being was shot mm-hmm. on the inside. Bernard tells Elsie he thinks the drone hosts were watching the guests, and Elsie responds, what would they want with the guests? Which is still, despite everything we learned this episode, a valid question. Just because we now know that the huge scheme here involves turning humans into hosts, it doesn't answer the question of why the park is collecting so much data on the other random guests. There's plenty of possibilities. I'm sure you all have your own. Well, we know, in general, data is extremely valuable. Data rules everything around me. Dream. Get Get the money. The dollar, data, 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 data rules, y'all. Data, data points, y'all. Uh, no, but I mean, 
I'm 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 looking forward to more clarity on that too. Like, what was the long play here mm-hmm. for them? Because what what they're doing with the data is very important. Like, are they turning around and selling it to credit card companies? You know what I mean? It's like, what is this data that they're? How are they monetizing all the data they're getting? Because mm-hmm. we I don't agree. know. Elsie uh, then finds out Ford is dead, and then feeds Bernard's addiction and pumps him clean full of his good good cordy cordy flu flu. She lays him down on this table. That table really doesn't look comfortable whatsoever. Nah. I bet you Bernard wishes that instead of being on that table, he was on a Lisa mattress. He was on a Lisa mattress. God, I wish I was on a Lisa mattress right now. I do as well. Lisa mattress, new sponsor of the show. Shouts to them. Thank you for your support. If you don't know what a Lisa mattress is, you're going to learn today. You're literally, Oh, you're going to learn. You're literally going to learn today. Like right now, right now. Elisa mattress is the best mattress you can buy. It is, if you take everything into account, comfort, price, uh, how good you feel when you're on it, there's nothing better. Ross, as a man who has been in love with his Lisa mattress for a very long time now, tell the listeners about the Lisa mattress. Yeah, so the, the great thing about Lisa is the level of ease with which you're able to shop for a new mattress, how easy it is to get it delivered to your house. I mean, so basically you go to lisa.com slash freeze and uh you shop straight through there what's the what's the dollar amount you're getting off here as a famp listener 130 dollars off the deepest discount they've ever offered that's awesome 130 bucks off your lisa mattress you order it it comes in a box straight to your door you take it inside you open the box you undo the mattress you slap it onto your bed frame and then you cut this plastic on the side and it slowly inflates into this beautiful luxury mattress right before your eyes so you're not having to go to a mattress store you're not having to get it hauled to your house. Yeah, having to hook it on top of your car. No, it's incredibly easy. And then what you what you get, the end product, is an incredibly comfortable, beautiful, long-lasting mattress that is just going to blow your mind using the newest technology available. The Lisa itself is a memory foam-based mattress. They also offer a slightly more expensive mattress called the Sapira by Lisa, which is actually the one that I have. And I believe you get $200 off with a... If you go to lisa.com slash freeze to get to that one, and the Sapira combines the memory foam and spring technology that you're probably more familiar with, and I could not more highly recommend a mattress. Lisa has also expanded their offering to blankets, pillows, uh, what up, frames are on there, I think. Mm-hmm. They do one mattress donated for every 10 sold. And one tree planted for every order received. So they're doing good for the world. So they're out doing good stuff, too. That's what makes Lisa such a great company and one that I am so passionate about standing behind. Because not only are they making superior products, they are doing good things for the world. We're not ever going to have a sponsor on here that we don't fully support. And Lisa, who has donated 23,000 mattresses thus far, is definitely a company that we very much so support. People help me, people. They have 11,000 plus five-star reviews. The Lisa mattress is loved by 300,000 Happy sleepers and counting, including Ross, and soon to be including me. Mine is in the mail, and I'm going to tell you very soon how much I love it. Because Ross has been pumping it up for a while. I cannot wait to lay down on this thing. I look forward to hearing about your experience of unpacking, putting it down, and then finally getting to sleep on it. Because your life's about to change, my friend. Uh, yeah, I'm going to run you through it every 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 step of it. It's going to be amazing. $130 off. Go to lisa.com slash freeze. Grab a pillow, too. They're unbelievable. You heard it here first. Grab a pillow. Now back to the show. We cut to Ghost Nation marching in prisoners. Grace is here. We she got, is. We got Grace. 
She recognizes Ashley Stubbs, the A-team, as park security immediately, meaning she is most likely a very seasoned park vet and possibly an insider here. Did she recognize her? Oh, right away. They go like, oh, we need security to come. And she looks over and is like, oh, it looks like security's here with us. Ah. Um, and then there is a ghost nation talking to Ashley, and he can't speak their language. But Grace understood it and said to him you, uh, like what they said, like something about time or something, whatever. And she like pretty much understood what they were saying. And Ashley's like, you spent enough time in the park to learn the language. Again, not saying like, who are you? He clearly knows her. And right. She, and then she says, a lot of people tend to ignore their narratives. I don't like other people very much. Grace has apparently sought out Ghost Nation narratives specifically because essentially nobody does them and she doesn't want to have to interact with anyone. Grace just became the most relatable character on this show. Yes. Also, this immediately shuts down the whole like Grace being... Uh, uh, who were people theorizing yeah, yeah, this she is, was? She can no longer be young Teresa. That's Thank you. That's the one that I really needed to go away as quickly as possible because I was like, this is just not the case. Yeah. Young Teresa is debunked. You saw the gif that got fucking all yes. through rotation of them ashing the cigarette. At, and let me just explain something to you. That's how everyone ashes their cigarette. If you don't smoke, you don't know that. But that gif was infuriating to me. And I saw it over and over over the weekend. And I was like... This proves literally nothing. I put it Every, on. Tw- I put it on our Twitter. <laughs> I know. I know. I saw it everywhere, dude. And I mean, I get it. You're just fueling the fire, but it's like that's how every female who has ever smoked a cigarette ashes their cigarettes. Well, that's debunked. Um, yeah, Grace. Uh, so Grace just became the most relatable person on the show because she seeks out not having to interact with other people. Sneaky hot, by the way. She's also relatable for me. Because like Grace, uh, I too speak more than one language. Oh God, here we go. I do have a Spanish major. Uh, a lot of long-time listeners know that. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Stubbs drops a nice little nugget for Ghost Nation truthers out there. He says they keep the humans close, but they're not killing us. Just the hosts. So this is where Stubbs was when we saw Stubbs get tackled by Ghost Nation in season one. Mm-hmm. And everybody's wondering how the hell did he survive? This is how. So we're getting some insight into exactly what happened to the A-team after being tackled. This very much hints at Ashley Stubbs being a host debunked. Yeah. This, I don't, was that a theory we were Uh, working on? I said, I definitely confirmed that theory multiple times. I guess at this point we're working on that theory with literally every character. So yeah, (laughs) I, I would say this is, he's a human being. I think I was just so surprised that he came back so so casually. Like, oh, hey, what's up, guys? I'm back. Okay, then again, why does this debunk him being a host for you? Because it very much, if you follow a linear timeline, it seems like, yeah, I picked up a Ghost Nation, and he's been their prisoner. He said he's been there for a while watching them, how they work. And he's just been in this prison camp for a few days. Why would that make him a human? What do you mean? Because the idea of him being a host is that the Ghost Nation took him to somebody who turned him into, who like replaced him with a host. I think, I think that's... That's not on the table anymore. I'm, I'm confirming it not on the table. I'm not saying it should be on the table. I'm just saying, like, f- all facts considered, I think I don't think that that can be completely ruled out. Because, like, think about all the situations we've seen Bernard in, who is a host. My point is that the timeline that you you have convinced yourself of, if you're an Ashley Stubbs, is a, ho- is a host truther, mm-hmm. this completely goes against that. But what if you think he was a host pre-tackling and all then that? Then you, my friend, are paranoid. Then you're a crazy person. <laughs> Uh, unlike Bernard, Stubbs still believes that help is coming and says their safest bet is to stick tight 
And Grace is like, uh, thanks, but uh, he says they're going to stick tight and then they're going to get us out of here. And Grace is like, thanks, but uh, I'm not looking to get out of here. Very weird. Very weird answer. Uh, and it's the only other person we've ever seen hmm. give an answer like that is... Um, is um, like father, like daughter. Let's just yeah, leave it at that. Let's just, yeah. Cut back to the man in black and Lawrence entering Las Mudas, Lawrence's village. It's completely deserted, save for Shaky Hands, the barkeep. Why is this dude still there? Uh, because I guess the Confederados just left him there to serve them alcohol. So they would not have to get it themselves. Just everybody else is gone. We need you to stay in case we need whiskey. We can't pour it ourselves. Yeah, well, we everybody else is in the church. Everybody oh, yeah, else yeah. is all holed up in the church. Uh, shaky Hands ends up being all Shaky Hands because the Confederados are in town. They close in on the Man in Black and Lawrence and take them prisoner. Man in Black's like, oh, someone took a chunk out of you, boys. What happened to the rest of you? And uh, Craddock says, double-crossed by some bitch named Wyatt. Name of Wyatt. And Man in Black goes, good for her. Craddock is an annoying motherfucker. I really hate him. I, me and Tay were sitting on the couch like, God, I can't wait for this guy to be gone. Which fortunately happens later in the episode. But he's annoying. I really, I think he might be one of the most hateable, if not the most hateable character in the show so far. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't like the way he talks either. It's something about him. It's the combination of his face, the way he talks. But the that actor, says, if that actor's task was make people hate you, he fucking succeeded. I thought he was very, very good. Um, yeah, so Man in Black and Lawrence get put in a church with the rest of the townsfolk, including Lawrence's wife and daughter. Craddock says they need food, whiskey, and ammunition. That's Craddock's top three. Uh, Here we he, go. Yeah, he replaced tobacco with food, which is what what you would do. It is. Oh, wait, no, you wouldn't do that. It's what I would do. You, you, you tobacco wasn't. Your oh top yeah, three. no, tobacco stays for me. It's literally in my body as we speak. <laughs> Craddock asks to speak to a village elder who may be able to make some sort of a deal. The village elder stands up, comes out all nice and dapper, takes his hat off out of respect. I loved this. And then just gets winged by Craddock. He this just was, shoots him in the arm. What an idiot. This was so clearly what he was going to do. I was like, oh my God, don't stand up, don't stand up. Oh, you idiot. And he walked out and immediately got smoked. And then he goes, I ain't interested in making fucking deals. Okay then, dude, don't ask if there's anyone you can make deals with. That's the whole point. He wanted to take out whoever considered themselves to be the most capable leader in the group. Do you see what I'm saying? Like He was essentially like... Stand up if you think you're the one who would lead these people. And the guy was like, all right, that would be me. And he's like, bam, now you have no leader. Everybody shut the fuck up. I'm not here to make deals. <sighs> I just, that, he didn't deserve that. He was a nice man. He took his hat off. Not very smart. Craddock knows this town is full of rebels and that they have weapons. And Lawrence points out that the second they tell them where the weapons are, they will kill all of them. Lawrence remembers a man in black telling him he had a daughter, which is the... Worst thing ever, because it validates all that talking to Lawrence that the Man in Black did through season one. Damn it. Now Lawrence is remembering all that shit. What we thought was a waste of time is really the Man in Black actually doing reasonably effective talking. The thing we probably, or at least me personally, I won't speak for you, made the most fun of throughout season one uh, is actually totally worthwhile. And... Now makes sense. We have egg on our face. I have egg all over my body. Everywhere. It, it's yeah. You're gonna. Can you get salmonella through the skin? Salmonella. Yeah, isn't that what it is? Salmonella. Salmonella. Well, Sam. Salmonella sounds like a couple. Hey, I'm going to Salmonella's wedding. Well, salmon is a fish, <laughs> and yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, Men in Black. Uh, 
He's probably like, oh, damn, good for me. That wasn't always a time when really he should just be kicking himself for being a loser. Lawrence tries to get the Man in Black riled up to fight the Confederados by saying how his little girl doesn't want to watch her daddy gun down in front of her. And, he, and he's like, would yours? This is meant to be a rhetorical question. <laughs> but Man in Black's like, yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> that was a phenomenal yeah, she line. Fucking, she fucking hates me. I really love that exchange. Like, that's very clearly a rhetorical question. Right. Like, Okay. Oh, just as a note, I also loved the part or a little bit earlier, skipping back just a bit, where uh, Shaky Hands came out and was Shaky Hands already, mm -hmm. and the Man in Black was like, "Why the hell are you so worked up? Like, I haven't even started shooting people yet." Like, he immediately recognized like something is very yeah. wrong here. Very, very in tune with the park. Yes, he is. Lawrence says he's going to wait until the Confederados are drunk, dig up the weapons from the unmarked grave in the graveyard out back, and make a run for it. And Lawrence says, "Sound like a plan?" Man in Black says, "Yeah." Stands up. And then just goes, let's make a deal. <laughs> what? With the guy who just said he's not there to make deals. Like, I understand that you have this new plan to like give away the weapons, yada, yada, yada. Don't say let's make a deal. He shoots people who try to make deals. And again, I, I cannot stress this enough. I have made so much fun of the man in black, William, as a character in general. Uh, that obviously was the point. Like he is more and more making steps. To, you got to remember... He could actually die now. Mm -hmm. If he gets shot here, it's not the fun version of getting shot where nothing actually happens. It's the version where you fucking die. Mm -hmm. So the stakes are real, and he has huge, massive testicles. That's that's where we're at. Very big. Uh, yeah, he immediately tells the Confederados where the weapons are before getting anything returned. Truly a terrible negotiation job, as pointed out by Craddock. He's like, dude, you, you're supposed to say the terms first. What are you doing? Right. But we learn that his the weapons aren't what he's offering up. It's directions to glory. I like to think of glory being to the Confederados uh, what Kokomo is to the Beach Boys. They love it, even though it's just a totally made-up concept. But they're all in on it. They're trying to go there. Kokomo's not a real island? Kokomo's not real. It's a fake island off the Florida Keys that they made up. Mine explosion. Yeah. Craddock tells his men to check the graveyard for the guns, seemingly buying what the man in black is selling. And then we cut back to Jimmy Delos in the room. Ooh, Jimmy. Do the Strand by Roxy Music is playing now, and Jimmy Delos is cutting a rug. Just dancing his ass off. This, uh, this, the Jimmy Delos storyline in this episode reminded me, it was almost like Breaking Bad style in the way that it bounced back and forth from it. And just the whole, the way it was directed. Again, Lisa Joy... What a pro. Consummate professional. Yeah. Jimmy Dellis is wearing a black short sleeve shirt and doing a little dance. He changes into his blue long sleeve polo. Not a little dance. That's a big, big dance. Big dance. Big dance. Big dance. Big pants. And manages to pour milk without spilling this time. Huh. That's progress, baby. He has a visitor. It's Will I Am. Again. Again. Shocking. Tonight's going to be a good night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They go through the exact same song and dance as last time, <laughs> except this time... We see Mr. Delos read the letter. That is a transcript of this entire interaction. This is also a different time of Delos reading the letter. This is not the same scene as the opening scene. It's just them going through that loop again. No, yeah. This is very clearly another attempt at whatever mm -hmm. it is that he's trying to accomplish. We learn here that in relation to this scene, Mr. Delos died seven-ish years ago. And this is host Mr. Delos. I'm still trying to grasp the purpose of these Fidelity interviews. Like I said earlier, are they trying to keep him on script, off script, whatever? We don't really know. Might figure it out eventually. It is cool, though. One very recognizable, um, I guess, positive from the Jimmy Delos they're attempting to bring back to life or recreate here. He quickly grasps the concept. 
Mm-hmm. He's like, how long have I been dead? Basically. Like, I'm guessing I didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not something that we would have seen like in any, at any point when we've been watching uh, a human being attempt to give a host consciousness. Yeah. No. There's been a great struggle. Like with Dolores, she's like, what? With Bernard, what the fuck? Like Jimmy Delos is quickly grasping what's and, going on. And maybe we'll find out that that could be the barrier. Maybe the barrier can't be that you're told you're a host maybe or you're, or you're like fake. You need to find out yourself, you know? Because I think it's programmed into him partly that, hey, you are a host of a human, but maybe you need to find that out yourself. Yeah. If if I have a lot of questions about how this Jimmy Delos thing works, should I hold them for later? It depends what they're about. Like, how how is his consciousness being put into this host body? Ellie says later on... Ellie, I keep saying Ellie. This is Elsie. pissing me off. She hasn't been here for so goddamn long. That you forgot her name. I forgot. I didn't forget her name. I forgot how to say it. I thought it was a silent S. It's not. Elsie. Uh, if I... Eh. It's that like yeah like I, I get it though like how my name has two silent s's and my yeah. name is raw yeah yeah raw bolin raw bolin but yeah if I if I say it again it's because I'm pronouncing it the correct way it's the way that her parents wanted it to be pronounced uh-huh. and no s so Elsie says later on that they took his uh, brain or his, his took his brain and put it in a control unit that's what I mean. Yeah. Does that mean physically taking his brain out and the, putting it into a control unit? Does that mean somehow transferring his transferring brain Transferring all the shit in his brain into the control unit. That's a fascinating concept. Yeah. It, which I bet you that it will be possible someday. I really have to hope. Not in our lifetime. I can't I, handle no, that. I, don't want I that. can't handle that's that dumb. kind of shit. Like we have, we got Snuggies in our lifetime. That's all the fucking like progress I need. Yeah. I, I want to die at some point. I don't want to die now. Yeah. But no. at some point I would very much like to die. I would also like you to die eventually. Please don't upload me into a host that can't pour milk yeah if i can't pour milk just fucking just put a bowl me, through my let head. me go let me go if i can dance like that though i don't know that's, that's yeah that was, sick. that was sick uh ross it's time to play everyone's favorite home game is it cheesy hell yeah second is it cheesy of the season william saying if you can't tell doesn't matter to jim delos after he brings up that he's probably not in california anymore yeah, I I didn't really get this. He's doing a callback to the Angela. It's not a good line. It's not. I, I no. agree. This it, is the I same don't as think the it, I, I I got the connection, the callback, but I didn't think it was it worked. I didn't. This I think neither of these have worked so far. I think on paper, maybe, to- totally different situation. A hot woman telling you you can have sex with her, basically, and you being like, wait, are you real? And her being like, if you can't tell the difference, does it matter? That is not the same as him being like... Are we in California? If you can't tell you're in California, does it really matter? It's like, yeah, yes, yeah. kind of it does, actually. <laughs> I would still like to know if I'm in California. Where the fuck are we? Like, That's such a good point. I mean, he really should have said, it doesn't matter because you're never going to leave this room. Not, if you can't tell, does it matter? Yeah. Like, no, nah, it, it still matters. That was weird. So it is cheesy, you're saying. Yeah. Mr. Delos thinks him sticking to the script means it's time to get him out of here. He's doing it. He's, yeah, yeah, I've stuck to the script. He's time like, to get oh, me out. Fidelity, fidelity. Yeah, let's go. It's like, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, except I'm a host, get me out of here. What? You never, you never saw that TV show? Nope. Oh, whatever. I'm, the listeners got that. Uh, he says, I'm ready to smoke my cigars, sail my boat, fuck my wife. Those are James Delos's three things. We're learning so much about all the characters in this show. The three things they love. Yep. 
He loves smoking cigars, sailing his boat, and fucking his wife. That third one will be a little more difficult since his wife had a stroke and passed away. Which, again, he quickly is like, wait a minute, that third one's not going to be possible, is it? Yeah, picking up on it. He's um, a smart host. But if you learned anything from bad guy, Rebus, it's that sex with dead people, that's, that's gravy. That's good as gravy. I'm not going to comment. Uh, what, what was it we figured out in like our second uh, episode ever that the ideal temperature... To have sex with a corpse, the corpse has to be more than 69 degrees or something. We did. If you're new to the show, uh, we used to say stupider things. So you're welcome. We've really stepped our maturity level up here. If, if you like that joke, go listen to our season one. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a little sicker. Yeah. Delos is still pretty fidgety despite the perfect coffee pour he had earlier. William tells Delos they need to keep him here longer. He objects, obviously, because he wants to get the fuck out of here. But it becomes pretty apparent not long into their argument that he is not ready. He's... He's like freaking out, tweaking out again. Yeah, he hits these walls where he mm -hmm. can't compute, basically. And the whole time it looks like William is having fun watching him struggle. Yeah, that was one of the weirder takes from this whole episode is, is William's, I guess, uh, like perspective on that situation. It's almost like he's not rooting for him at all. Like not, yeah. what, what, is the, what does he want the right. end game to be, you know? I agree. William leaves and tells a tech to terminate. Uh, we learn that Delos made it to day seven and that that is progress, which seems not great for seven years. No. And this clearly, is, is the, as time goes on in this episode, we find out that they, this was a very slow process yeah. to get this guy going, which, whatever. Cut Gotta back. do something with all that money. Oh, exactly. Cut back to Las Mudas. There's weapons in that dark grave. And much to the chagrin of Craddock, nitroglycerin. This man is absurdly obsessed with nitroglycerin. Big fan of nitro. He just swings this shit around forever. Pretty dangerous. Uh, shaky Hands still has shaky hands, and Craddock is not a fan of the shaky hands. He whips out the nitro, puts it in a shot glass, and makes shaky hands walk 12 paces without spilling it. He somehow succeeds be uh, because pressure makes diamonds, right? This was amazing. All the, all the spotlight was on him. He had to do it. And he did. It reminded me of like a cop telling you to walk a straight line yeah. when you're shit faced. Yeah. He this I don't know how this man did it. But uh props. Good, good for him. Uh, but then Craddock blew his fucking hand off. Yeah. His, his hand's gone. It's a shame because Shaky Hands was James Bond's favorite bartender. <laughs> what? He makes a mean martini, shaken, not stirred, you know? Oh God, Jared. Cut back to Ghost Nation. Prisoners are being led out to the first of us who is set to decide their fate. We see him, and he appears, don't quote me on this, to be Akacheta, the guy who gave Logan the demonstration along with Angela. No. I think it is. No. I think it is. Okay. We had a guest earlier on the season tell us that Akacheta was also seen another time as a member of Ghost Nation, though I can't recall when or who told me that. But that's why I made sure to pay extra attention during all these Ghost Nation scenes to see if it was him. And I compared his face to the face of the first of us. And I believe it's the same person. Uh, it didn't make a ton of sense if this were him, as he is almost certainly the first host created to be in Ghost Nation, seeing as he is so old that he was one of the first hosts there was. Also from Fargo. And he was also from the TV show Fargo. Uh, and he was most likely created before Ghost Nation was even a thing. So there's a good chance he is the first Ghost Nation member. Yeah, I think it's him. I'm looking at photos now. Thank you. Grace cut herself free, whacks a Ghost Nation member with a tiki torch. Pretty uh, tight move. Runs off. Ashley, and nobody chases her, which is interesting. Very strange. Ashley Stubbs gets a knife put to his throat, and the first of us, Ghost Nation, 
Akacheta, which means fighter, by the way. I looked it up. Uh, Akacheta means fighter. He says, you live only as long as the last person who remembers you. He says this in perfect English. It's creepy. Which in the context of this episode, that line fits right in with its talk of life and death and legacy. I mean, Delos, if he ever makes it out, can continue to add new people to his list of people who remember him. Otherwise, everybody is going to, everybody who knew of him is going to, you know, die and that he eventually he'll die out, but not if he lives forever. Right. If you have another meaning for why uh, the first of us said this, call the cold line, 888-6-FREEZE. On Thursday, we do a listener voicemail episode and you can uh, call in, get on that, and we can talk about your theories. So do that. Do it. Do it. And then all goes nation disappears. Yeah. What, what, what was that? I think they just ran away. I don't know why, hmm. but now all these people are left on this shore. Are they going to get saved from this shore? Is this like the whole deal with the Ghost Nation being good guys? It just seems Ghost Nation is clearly not who you thought they were if you thought they were a bunch of savage scalping people. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, the guy speaking perfect English mm-hmm. just was like nail in the coffin there. There's more going on. We This is, they didn't, te- they didn't tell us anymore pretty much, but this is the Ghost Nation that we're getting a lot of hints. I think they're going to play a huge role at the end of this season. It, it, it definitely appears so. We go now to Bernard. 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 Who has just been imbued with the power of a pint or so of the good stuff. Elsie remarks that she's never seen this language in the tablet, uh, and it's a different operating system. Side note, that symbol that we see everywhere, that we saw, that everybody talked about last episode, yes. and that we see on the 12 door. The logo, we were trying to figure out what it is. I believe, and I think, don't quote me, that this is on the tran- the manuscript, the transcript. I think this is the Delos Research Group logo. Interesting. Don't quote me on this. You, you know what you can quote me on? You can quote me saying, don't quote me on this. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Don't quote me on this. Quote Jared Borislow. Uh, Bernard has seen this encryption scheme before, as we know, in Abernathy, which means the info in Abernathy is almost certainly more than Charlotte led Lee to believe. Poor sweet Lee lied to by evil Charlotte. You know? I do know. He didn't deserve that. Be honest with him. Bernard thinks he's been in this lab before at Ford's behest, but he isn't sure. He says the damage is repaired, but the memories, I, I get lost in them. I can't tell if this is now or then. And then uh, we got Elsie here saying, your memories aren't addressed. They're just kind of drifting around in there. So when you're experiencing one, you have no idea whether it comes before or after the others. All this memory talk here triggers another flashback to Bernard in the lab, initiating a new build on the control unit printer. Bernard remembers that he's been here recently. It wasn't just he's been here before, recently, but doesn't remember why, but he does think he knows what the lab is for. I was a cough because I'm just talking a lot. He says, they weren't building hosts, not exactly. Bernard says what's on these control units isn't even code, which is a little foreshadowing to how it is human brain stuffs. Mm. A loud clang is heard from behind a locked door. Bernard tries to convince Elsie to not go inside, but she isn't having it, partly because Bernard is in a memory and completely disassociated from his body at this time. Right. Uh, he remembers himself walking around with people freaking out at him, and then Elsie shoots the door open as Bernard objects. Yes. Do you know what you're not going to object to, Ross? What? The best deal we've ever done on RowdyGentleman.com. I will not object, sir. Here's the deal. I'm going to let you guys in on this. This started today. You. This is the first promotion that this sale is getting 
So you guys are the early adopters, the early listeners. I don't know if we've ever done this before, but we're wiling right now because this is the last day that you can get guaranteed Memorial Day delivery from RowdyGentleman.com, which is good times gear. They got everything you want, swim trunks, Hawaiians, patriotic stuff, island wear. Great hats. Great hats. Here's the deal. With code FREEZE50, you can get 50% off all goddamn t-shirts. Oh, shit. Our marketing guy went a little cuckoo this weekend and just said this. I don't know if he meant it. 50% is half. That is, a, that is there, I'll tell you right now, we will never do a better deal than this. Yeah, this is nuts. And if you're not familiar, Rowdy Gentleman is our in-house. It's owned and operated and run and by Grand X. Uh, we make all the products, source all the materials, design all the products. Uh, it's our in-house clothing brand. We started off being patriotic. It would be like Reagan Bush 84. You probably saw those. Back-to-back World War champs. And we've completely pivoted. We put a ton of time, effort, money, uh, insert additional re- after resource here. We put a ton of all that into developing awesome, awesome clothes that really fit the mold more than just party gear. It's just good times gear. You can yeah. wear this. if you're, you're trying to have a good time every goddamn day. Yeah, the spring 2018 collection was built around the idea that of vacation forever. So that's kind of the underlying theme behind all the Hawaiians, the T-shirts, the hats, the, the swim trunks. Go check them out. Get yourself geared up for the remainder of spring and then the summer to come. Uh, it's good looking shit. It is. 50% um, off of the fucking keys? Fi- yeah. What the fuck? So right now you can get a 50% off if you want to go with the Memorial Day patriotic theme, which we still have patriotic clothing. We just kind of added more stuff. We have back-to-back World War Champs t-shirts. We have Reagan Bush 84 t-shirts. We have uh, a bunch of other amazing stuff that's going to look great by the pool for your Memorial Day. USA hat. Reagan, you, 80, Reagan Bush 84 hat. Back-to-back yeah. World War Champs hat. But if you want to get in on the deal itself, 50% off all t-shirts. This is not just sale t-shirts. This is our regular t-shirt line. Freeze fifty at checkout. Seriously, check these out. You're gonna you're gonna be like astounded that you're getting these for fifty percent off. It's savage. Freeze fifty. Freeze fifty at checkout. Cut back to Craddock shoving his nitro in Lawrence's face during a rainy night in Las Mudas. This dude loves swinging his nitro around. Nitro addict. He is. He's like a dude at a fraternity party with a sailor hat on. He's doing everything he can to let everyone know that he's wearing a sailor hat. Like pointing at it, making terrible nautical puns the whole nine. That's what this guy's doing with nitro. Yeah. Oh, dude, look at the nitro glycerin. Eh. Yeah, we get it, dude. We get it. Yeah, I know you fucking have that shit, dude. God. Lawrence gets beat up while Craddock meets with the man in black. Craddock talks to the man in black about his relationship with death and how they go way back. After picking the man in black as the kind of guy who gets agitated by death, he does not know the man in black very well. He does not. Craddock brings Lawrence's wife over and starts dancing with her. We've seen this before. We have, unfortunately. The man in black back in Las Mudas danced yes. with Lawrence's wife before. Yes, he did. Before uh, she got piped. Oh, that sounds like a sex thing. I yeah, meant, he murdered her. I meant like filled with lead. He shot her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, while dancing, Craddock says he died recently, but death sent him back to earth to do his bidding because he does it with such goddamn style. I like that line. He really doesn't, though. No, not at all. I guess style to him is having Lawrence's wife deliver a shot of nitro for Lawrence to take. Just more fucking nitro with this guy. Enough with the nitro. Mm-hmm. I can't. Which, I mean, that all comes full circle. There will, no, there will not be an RIP for Craddock. No, no, no. Craddock says he has served death well, and in return, death will watch over them as they journey on to glory. Where is he getting this shit that he's spouting out of his mouth here? He's, it's improv, man. He's an idiot. <laughs> 
The man in black is mentally destroyed by all this. Everything reminds him of his wife, Juliet, and her death. The water, she died in a bathtub, uh, and like kind of the water leaked over the side. In the flashback, it doesn't look like she took the wrong pills. There's blood. There's blood. Blood in the water. Sharks. There's usually... No sharks. There's usually <laughs> not uh, blood involved if you overdose on medication. So this so, is interesting. And the way her wrist is positioned, it looks like she may have this cut herself. This is a suicide-looking situation here. So, yeah. wh- Which begs the question, why would he say what he said if we're seeing this vision of what is very clearly not a pill overdose situation? Well, maybe Emily told him maybe he was in the park and like busy and doing shit and never even saw the body and but and why would he have that flashback then or that vision oh yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> it, it, it seems like he might be twisting the truth when he tells us she because we've heard him say she took the wrong pills uh we've heard him say she killed herself we've he's given some different variations of he's yeah. very clearly struggling with this still uh spouse on spouse killing going on here is also pretty bad for his uh whole demeanor and the sad daughter around. This is a perfect storm. And I really want to think that Ford set that up, set yeah. all this up. He put the sad daughter. He put the spouse on spouse killing. He put Craddock talking about death. He put the rain. Like, this is some fucking fucked up shit. Right. This is almost as fucked up as Ford always going to Bernard. Hey, remember how your son's dead? Yeah. 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 He likes to remind people of their uh, real personal issues. The man in black finally speaks and he says, I'm just going to read this whole line. It was so good. You think death favors you, that it brought you back, but death's decisions are final. It's only the living that, that are inconstant, that waver, don't know who they are or what they want. Death is always true. You haven't known a true thing in all your life. You think you know death, but you don't. Craddock says, is that so? And the man in black goes, you didn't recognize him sitting across from you this whole time. Sick sick line <laughs> he is fucking death sick line he shatters a bottle on the table jabs it through craddock's neck and then kills everyone but craddock who he forces to drink nitroglycerin that's very comeuppance i like it and then have lawrence shoot and ex- absolutely explode the head and body of craddock like an effect from danny mcbride's character in tropic thunder so my dumbass uh thought this was I, th- I the nitro thing was lost on me at this point and i thought he was forcing him to drink tequila and i was like <laughs> i was like what a fucked up way to go dude you, you you've just been stabbed in the neck and now he's forcing you to drink tequila which is just the worst uh but no no it's, it's worse than that it's, it's actually nitro it's much worth Wor- much worth much worth <laughs> it was also cool how he let how he let uh our boy shoot him yeah i believe this belongs to you or whatever he yeah said. that was cool uh, the man in black is death. And now it's time for extremely DJ Khaled voice. Another one. Another William and Jimmy Dello scene. Said William is old as shit. Yeah. He's got that, that uh, Ed Harris bald flow going on. Times they are changing. There's also a new assistant. Is, is no longer a woman. It is a man. Man in black and Delos have a bit of seemingly improvised banter before jumping back into the old loop. It looks like Delos has to realize it's William and kind of get over that and then just jumps right back into the old loop. It's clear Delos is still unfit for the real world even after all these years. And we learn from the man in black that he's hitting a cognitive plateau. He says, your mind is stable for a few hours or a few days and then it starts to fall apart every time. At first we thought it was your mind rejecting the new body like an organ that's not a perfect match, but it's more like your mind rejects reality, rejects itself. This is a very insightful little 
tidbit here. I was going to say tidbit too. If you, if you were going to keep fumbling for another second, I was going to jump in with tidbit. Yeah. That's it. This was cool. We learned this is the 149th time that Delos has been brought back. They've been staying at it. And this is the longest one ever. They are on day 35. They went from seven days to 35 days in like 30 years. Jesus fuck. Yeah, it's a lot of work for not much payoff. Uh, and again, it begs the question for me, like how often did the man in black, how, how often did William make this visit to Jimmy Delos um, just because it would get so goddamn old? I think he did it every fucking time. Every day? Because he had to. He was the only person who was on the manuscript. Then that would mean he was doing it every single day. Yes, yeah. except when they were in between builds. That's crazy. Which, if uh, you want to hear this? Yes. If you want to talk about why the man in black feels so comfortable talking to hosts who don't understand because he's been doing that every single fucking day. So that's question, all he talks to anymore. Are we to believe that this conversation that takes place between the man in black and Jimmy Delos is pre the man in black reentering the park for the last time with no intention of leaving? Yes. Okay. That Just is wanted how, to make sure I, we, how I framed it. Wanted to make sure we put that in the correct timeline for everybody. Yep. It's after Juliet died. In like the whatever year or so before he came back. Before we meet the man in black in season one. Yes. Okay. I believe. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. Very slow moving. Dallas is the worst that we've seen him. He's really struggling here. He's a fucking mess. He's uh, man in black says in a year or two, they might finally crack it. Uh, you know, finally make the breakthrough that lets it work. But man in black says he's not so sure anymore. And maybe this whole enterprise was a mistake because people aren't meant to live forever. Makes you wonder what brought him to that point where he decided this mm -hmm. um, and then how that fits in with his decision to enter the park with no intention of leaving. Yeah. And anybody who thinks that it happened after what we're seeing right now, we just saw Jamie, Jimmy Delos get fucking annihilated at the end of this. So unless they had another one lined up and another build remade and you know what I'm saying? It's definitely, it definitely happened before season one. Right. Unless we're just wrong. No, we're not wrong. Before. Yeah. Uh, intern Luke goes, no, yeah, before. Yeah, well, you got to always consider every possibility, but everything points. I don't see how anybody... Yeah, oh, what, is Intern what? Luke on the mic? Holy shit. Yeah, Guys, this, this is the first. This is the first. This is Luke Schultz, everybody. Uh, I just wanted to jump in because, like, later on when we see how far he's degraded, like it says, degraded 14 days since date of like suggested termination or whatever the most recent iteration oh. of jamie delos jimmy delos <laughs> and so i think like this is man in black visiting him like literally like days before like season one starts cool well there we go fuck yeah look at this man fucking luke luke coming on dropping knowledge bombs and now he's gone hey, come back the man in black uh tells delos that juliet killed herself and this suffering somehow gives Delos the vigor to stand up and scream for Logan. Uh, this is more example of suffering being, being something that really drives these host brains. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then the worst part of this entire series happens. Let's, I, I how do we address this? If you, I had to hit pause and like take a minute to reflect I'm going to get on my soapbox for like 20 seconds here. What we're talking about, obviously, is the bomb, quote unquote, that Logan is dead. I put bomb in quotations because this was glossed over as an afterthought. This was not 
put up to any sort of grand reveal. This was not brought up as like something that's game changing. Man in Black's like, oh yeah, Logan overdosed. Are you fucking kidding me? He's one, he's one of the, if not best characters on this show. You can't just say he's dead. I had people tweeting at me like, uh, ah, oh, what he said about Logan's bullshit. Like refusing to accept that Logan could, could in fact be dead. The real takeaway here is, is drugs are bad. Don't do heroin. Yeah, don't do heroin or whatever or whatever Logan was doing. Future heroin. Praying to God that Man in Black was just lying to Delos to piss him off more. To get a rise out of him? Because he likes pissing him off. Uh, I'd be surprised if that was the case, but... I need that to be the case. I, you also got to remember, this doesn't mean we don't get more Logan. No, yeah, I, I get that. But I wanted, I wanted to see old Logan. Let me at least get like an open casket shot. Wow, okay. Just saying, I need. I want an interesting request. <laughs> you know, uh, it is what it is. Man of Black says some men are better off dead, and then leaves. But he has a new assistant, not terminate him, so he can watch his degradation and study it. This is the same assistant. I meant, I meant new assistant, not a new assistant. Well, now what didn't hit me until literally just now is that the iteration that they find of Jimmy Delos later in the destroyed room is this exact iteration. That has just been going ham, wrecking the place since then. Oh, yeah. That's a good call. I never thought about that. Yeah. And the assistant is in there, dead. The same assistant. Yeah, they, they he never... He literally watched until he was murdered. Like, watched and took notes on the degradation until he was murdered. And then Jimmy Delos just lived on in there, bad shit crazy, wrecking <laughs> shit. Wait, so the timeline here is messed up then because there's no way they let him run free in there for fucking that long my guess is my guess is this okay i'm changing up my guess i want we need to look back through season one and find out when the man in black has a beard because okay. he has a beard in this in this whole scene because i think that this now happened during season one i think he at one point he just went over to sector 22 and popped visited in. this area yeah because he was doing it every day it just makes me wonder luke's coming back it just the biggest thing is it has to happen before Elsie gets put there because he would have had to pass Elsie in the cave. You know what I mean? Mm. Because the door to the cave yeah. is where Elsie okay. was. So, so the man, in black, have so the man in black had Elsie. to have gone there before Bernard took Elsie there. Which is still plausible, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks, intern. Yeah, it's not that long of a time. Yeah, no, not at like, all. It's, it's, just, weeks. it's just wild that we're finally lining up all these different pieces to yeah. see how this all unfolded. Cut to Bernard and Elsie who go through the door and find even more destruction along with a dead new assistant. He's dead. He's, he's a goner. You said they go through the door, um, but not the door. Not the door. This is, this is the door, but not the door. But not door. the door. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying. So I, I think that Ross might be onto something here that this might just be the destroyed room that we see uh, Delos going ham on. It has to be. It makes no sense otherwise. Well, unless, unless he went ham again and they just... I it, guess that's possible, that's, yes. that's why like, I, never, I didn't think about that. It's definitely possible. I just love the concept of uh, William being like, nah, let him, let him do his thing. You, you can take notes on the degradation. We can see how far this actually goes. And then that guy being stuck there, literally watching him wreck the entire room until someone comes in and, and murders him. cut his face open repeatedly. Right. That he's, this whatever, man is Whatever insane. he was doing there to damage his own face. The record player is stuck on don't play with, don't play with before Elsie turns it off, which like the song itself refers to the Dallas experiment being like playing with fire. Yeah. You play with fire, you're going to get burnt. Isn't that what Grandpappy told you, Ross? 
Grandpappy did tell me that. Uh, insane James Delos has formed a new habit of cutting his own face open, which I don't think I'm going to get into that uh, as a hobby, but maybe. You lock me in a room listening to that one line over and over and over and over and over, I might get into cutting my own face open. It sounds kind of sick. He threateningly approaches Elsie after asking her if she wants to see all the way to the bottom. For some reason, Elsie doesn't blow his goddamn brains out. He gets right up to her, her gun. Right. And he's holding a, a weapon. But she doesn't know who he is, right? Does no. she recognize him as James does? Nope. No. She doesn't even know if he's a host or a human when she when she kills him. Okay. She asks Bernard that, and he's like, "It's James Dallas," but I don't think it's she. Bernard's like, she's like, I don't know if it's a host or a human, and he's like, I think it was both. That kind of deal. Yeah. 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 Bernard has to jump in and finish off James Delos. Uh, I don't mean that in the sexual way. That's I mean he killed him. No one would take it that way, but okay. I'm just making sure. His last words, uh, they said there were two fathers, one above, one below. They lied. There was only ever the devil. And when you look up from the bottom, it was just his reflection, laughing back down at you. And then he says, before Elsie incinerates him, you aim to cheat the devil, you owe him at least an offering, which is part of his loop. Yeah, the demented hosts say the most disturbing shit. <laughs> yeah, like ones that lose it. They really say the two most terrifying shit. Pretty bizarre. Um, the offering ends up being him. Elsie plays with fire and burns him alive. A lot, a lot of tie-ins right there. About as beautiful as it gets. Elsie says, tell me that was a host and not a human. And then Bernard says, I think it was both. This is where it's laid out clear as day that Delos is trying to put humans inside host bodies by printing their bodies and copying their minds onto control units. They literally lay that out. This is like the this is the part of the episode everybody's like, holy shit! They actually answered the question. Yeah, this is a terrifying prospect, and it's this is all something that obviously the show hinted toward, but now is completely confirmed. And Elsie doesn't like it either, and at least as she sees it, uh, that's why help's not being sent. She's like, you're telling me that because they're trying to fucking save this lunatic, like this rich this rich guy who wants to live forever, that's why they're everybody in this park's gonna die. Right. It seems like Elsie's calling out that. As, is, is that the correct that, that, reasoning? That's, that's what I got. I don't know. Oh, no. I don't think it is. Okay. I think there's all the data there, too. It's it's partly the Delos shit because they ha that's obviously the case study. Like, but again, it, it still doesn't make sense, the whole idea of no. like, no, nah, we'll come in and save the stuff after the fact. So I'm still looking for like that. I agree. I am, too. Yeah. And if you have an idea of that. 8886-FREEZE. Call in. Call in, and we want to know why you think they're waiting until the stuff is secure before coming in and just securing it themselves. You, though. Not Reddit. Not not GQ Magazine. Fucking don't... Original read. content for original Please gangsters. Please stay away from Reddit. Thank you. Elsie doesn't like this, and she says, fuck that. They're going to get us all killed so some asshole can live forever. She has a plan to set off for the mainland. Bernard remembers that Ford sent him here to get a control unit for another human... Holy shit. What is this? This is the biggest, like, this is like the biggest carryover point from this episode. Mm. Ford tasked Bernard with going to this facility and making a control unit for a different human than Delos. Now, which human could that Who the be, fuck is Jerry? It? Okay, here are all the options. Ford. Arnold. obviously Ford is option number one. Arnold. Option number two. Dustin. Elsie. Realistically, could Elsie? Did that not make you think it's some like? Could this Elsie that we're seeing on screen be a host? 
uh, it's possible. I don't think so, but it's I guess it's always possible. I don't think so either. It just is interesting to me that we'll always have, or at least for the time being, we have this big blank period of time where we don't know where Elsie was or what she was doing. She was stuck in. She was pooping in a bucket in a cave eating protein bars. Right, but. I don't know. You it's saw just, the rappers It just there. made me wonder because it would be interesting if the two people doing Ford's bidding were both hosts, yeah. both who used to be real people. But I don't know. I don't I, know. I'm inclined to not believe that. I, I think Arnold is too obvious. It's got to be Ford. The thing is, if it was Arnold and at the end of the season, Ar- Arnold walks out and everybody's like, oh man, it's Bernard. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just yeah. wouldn't be as cool as like Ford coming out and being like, "Okay, I'm Anthony Hopkins. So I'll tell you right now, one thought I'm having. I think it is going to be Arnold. I do think that's I, that's obvious. Like it doesn't lend itself to being a huge reveal because that's who you think it is. I don't think it's Ford because Ford is feels so guilty about Arnold's death that he would create a new Arnold before he created a new himself. In my eyes, also Delos has like all those fidgety problems. Potentially, all the of Bernard's fidgeting could be related to that and less related to the cortical fluid. Technically, uh, te- technically, technically, no. technically. No, because they found the damage to the cortical region or whatever. I'm just saying. Uh, anyways, I, I think it's going to be Arnold. But I have a question yeah. that I wanted to pose here. So this concept, the concept of recreating a human with an immortal body and somehow putting their mind into that robot body, that's pretty hardcore. And it's pretty hard to wrap your head around. It's pretty impossible to understand. It, it kind of, for me, compares to the whole, like, uh, what's the kind of cells that, we're, that we fuck with in oh, science? Oh, yeah. Uh, Excel spreadsheet cells. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, seriously though. What is it? Stem cell, Stem cell research. Thank you, intern Luke. Wow, um, intern Luke coming in huge today. Yeah, it's it, it kind of reminds me of that whole thing. How there's like a moral conundrum with it all. There are people who find it to be like way too playing God. Like, uh, you, you know, it's a big debate how much or if at all we should use stem cell research. So my question is, I because personally I'm like. This is bad. You don't want to do this with humans. Like, if this is, a, is it, if this is a thing that we have the opportunity to do at some point, which I believe it probably will be. This is, I mean, if we're already able to, you know, grasp this concept fully through TV show with the way the technology is going, you have to think it's somewhere down the road, no matter how long from now it is, that this could be a realistic possibility. Mm-hmm. I, I would be against that, just because it's like, dude, no, this is we're supposed to die. Like, we don't. How does that even work if everybody's immortal? But Question, if you could do it with your dog, <laughs> would you do it? 100%. Yeah, because, like, I mean, dogs are awesome, man's best friend, uh, but they live, like, what, 15 years max? What if your dog could be your lifelong man's best friend because you could do this with your dog? That's that I'm all in for. Yes. Which begs the question, why the fuck aren't we using all of the funding we're using for whatever else it is we're doing as a country and putting it towards dog immortality? I'll tell you this, because that doesn't make as much money. Because all every person just like gets their dog who lives forever, and then and you don't have to feed it probably as much. It's like it's like the okay, it's like the light bulb conundrum. They have the technology to make light bulbs that never burn out. But if they did that, there would be no light bulb industry, because everybody would have light bulbs that went on forever. Is that true about light bulbs? Yes, they have the they've had the power to make light bulbs that didn't burn out. For like a hundred years since Edison invented the light bulb or stole the invention, however you want to look at history. Whoa, lots happening right now. 
Yeah, no, the, now we're there's a Thomas Edison of being a thief. Oh, that's not very known. There's a light bulb in a California firehouse. This is all, I'm not reading this. This is all off the top of my head. There's a light bulb in a California firehouse that's been on for like 80 years straight. And they never turn it off. They have a switch like under lock and key and you're not allowed to go flick it off. And it just sits there. And it, so it, it just, you need a big filament. As long as the filament is large enough, it won't burn out. This is, this is blowing. I know a the lot about light bulbs. all this is very disturbing. I know a lot and about also light bulbs. impressive. Thank you. So yeah, that's what it is. If if you everybody has a a dog that never dies, there's no more. It's like the thing about like the guy who invented uh, the cigarette that doesn't give you cancer. Yeah. And the 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 urban myth is always that the big tobacco companies found out about him and had him killed and like wiped out his family and shit. You want know you want know the deep state reason why this dog thing would never happen, because every major dog food brand is owned by the biggest food producers in the world. Like so, what happens is all of the waste from like the the processing of food gets put into dog food. So like Purina and Pedigree and all them, they're owned by like Nestle and then all the other huge. So like, then those guys are going in and lobbying yep. in Washington D.C. Well, wow, that's and yeah. they have all the money because they control the food. So the world's fucked up, as we, we, this we, show points out. We really suck as a people. We do, yeah, as a species. That's <sighs> pretty sad. So Bernard pleads for Elsie's trust since he's in control now and not Ford for the first time, and she gives it to him and says, "I always trusted code more than people anyway." Now, coder line. Okay, this I, I, this is for me. I'm seriously asking. What is is Bernard truly free right now? He can make his own decisions. He's not. He can't be controlled by Ford. Well, Ford's dead. He can't be. Yeah, but that's what he's saying. That's how he's. That's, that's his leverage point. Mm. Okay, I, I believe just like all the other hosts, he's free to make his own decisions now. Okay. Now. There's a chance he can still have his motor functions maybe frozen. I don't know. I it's still crazy. I'm still trying to wrap my head yeah. around that whole concept mm-hmm. because it's just even the introduce the introduction of a uh, robot James Delos made it all the more confusing for me. Like mm-hmm. as far as what they can and can't do and how it all works. I know that's a different situation. They're trying to put a late man's brain into a robot. Anyway, just continue. Don't listen to me. <laughs> Bernard then remembers that he caused all the death and destruction and impalement. That was around them after he was confronted by Tex while he was stealing the control unit. Uh, and this includes Bernard curb stomping some helpless, crawling, sniveling man. Yeah, he sniveled right up until his death. Dude, he curb stomped the fuck out. When's the last time you saw a curb stomp in a, in a big TV show? I was happy we didn't get the like close up of his head yeah. exploding or anything, but that didn't actually happen. We saw him after the fact. He's just dead. Not really smushed yeah. like I thought. And then Bernard, Elsie's like, "Is everything okay?" He's like, "Yeah." He just told Elsie he wasn't gonna lie to her. He kind of is right now. I think that's what they're hinting at here. Like he's kind of already five seconds later. Yeah, and already kind of lying to her. Yeah. Cut back to the man in black in Las Mudas. He has received an offer of a small army from Lawrence, whose cousins are willing to join them. All right. Very Lawrence, nice. Lawrence's cousins. Ford starts speaking to the man in black through Lawrence's daughter, and the big big thing from this speaking arrangement is if you're looking forward you're looking in the wrong direction and it kind of explains for me because i was always confused by the season one uh when lawrence's daughter started talking that crazy shit about the maze mm-hmm. i was like how the fuck what is this and it was well, Ford. well i thought that was it's, arnold really the yeah. fir- in the first season well whatever someone's spe- either arnold or ford speaking oh, through it could have been ford I saw it as Ford could have been trying to make Dolores go through the maze to oh shit. Right. So Ford has essentially had a presence in the park that's not even outside of himself, whether it be through Little Ford or or uh, Lawrence's daughter. He has these different 
tools he uses to communicate things that he wants to communicate it. Shit. Yeah. I think I, I always thought it was Arnold, but it would make more sense if it was Ford just leading them on the maze to get Dolores to the consciousness. Right. It's also crazy cool how Lawrence's daughter is both Lawrence's daughter and Ford kind of mm-hmm. like she'll go from dishing information to William, yeah. to the man in black, then straight back to like running into her daddy's arms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's just fucked up. What do you think if you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction means I had a really hard time with this. Um, cause I don't, I don't know. Do you have anything? I, I just think, uh, I believe this might've been the bone man who said this. No, no, actually somebody else on Twitter. Uh, sorry, I don't have your handle in front of me. Somebody was saying that they think he's going to have to go back and reconcile all of his past stuff with his daughter and with like his wife and all of his past shitty things he's done and, and with the project probably. And that makes sense. And that's like what it is. Like I have the question of how that would actually, how you would do that, but well, he can easily reconcile with his daughter. Now you have to go back to go forward. Sometimes you have to go back to go forward is a saying. Uh, yeah. if, If, if you're parallel parking, a lot of times you'll need to reverse before you pull out of the spot. Sure. That's yeah. Okay. The man in black rides off with Lawrence and his cousins, and then they see a cowgirl in the distance, and it's Grace. At first, I thought this was going to be Dolores, and I was like, wait, what? And then this was much better. And it was Grace, and she says, hi, Dad. And everybody's theory, that Grace is Emily. Not everybody, because a bunch of morons out there (laughs) thought she was... uh, I can't. I can't remember her name. Teresa. Teresa. Thank yeah. you. I was never in on the Teresa one. Honestly, no, nah, that was a bad. Thing. It was. It was. It just made no sense. It, it took. It. It took. Shame on you, people. As I said, it required like the suspension of multiple disbeliefs. If she, you wanted like, that her to be changing Teresa. her name and shit, it just would. It would have been an outrageous jump. But, uh, but do no. you think the tiger would have had to have been fucking sitting there for thirty years? It's like it just didn't make any sense. Do you think that they intentionally casted Katja Herber? Who is Grace, who looks like Teresa, and put the cigarette thing in think, uh, to be a red herring. Do you think they I put really that in I don't think they did. I think it just lent itself to that. I think that we're dealing with a show where people are constantly looking for connections and twists and turns, and people ran with it. They don't even look that alike to me. They do. Uh, they don't. Though, younger like, version. Okay, here's the deal. They definitely put that in intentionally. Think about ch- how Grace many fucking is people significantly prettier than Teresa to me. Like she's older. Even in an aged version, they definitely put this in intentionally because there's so many people thought this and talked about this without even seeing it online that it's it's it would have to be like well because you're having to guess at what how many female characters are there who she could have been the younger version of no that that nobody would have thought she had to be a younger version of anybody if she didn't look so much and act I think so much they like Teresa because you're asking yourself okay who's this character who could this possibly tie in with. And there's like two fucking options. I disagree. I think it's an, I think it was a red herring intentionally put in. Shame on you. Well, that's it, folks. That is our season two, episode four so recap. What's the... Okay, so now we have Grace and the man in black. The man in black and his daughter reconnected within the park. We have the man in black who is very clearly stated dozens of times at this point that he has no intention of leaving this time. He is in the park uh, to see... To see it through to some end game, for there to be some conclusion. Grace has stated a similar thing that she has no intention of leaving. We just where do they go from here as a father daughter duo? Like, what is the? I have nothing. 
Well, factor in how Ford said that he had to do this journey alone. And now he has a whole army of Lawrence, his cousins, and his daughter. Yeah, so, what happened to that? I don't know. I, mean, I think that's going to come back into play. Maybe. I don't know. Well, I could not tell you. I'm excited to find out where this goddamn man in black and daughter thing leads us. And it's also possible that the you have to do this journey alone thing meant you have to do it on your like by you doing your own recruiting and getting your own. Because this... That situation with all the guys who ended up shooting themselves—he was the trying head. to steal them. Yeah. Yeah. So this this is—I don't necessarily think that means he has to go it completely alone. Okay, that, that makes would sense. be boring as yeah, fuck. Yeah, would be shitty. Cool. Well, tweet at us, DM us, leave comments. We will respond to you. I am at Jared Borislow on Earthang. He is at WR Bullen on Earthang. At Freeze All Motor on Twitter. We pump out the best Westworld content on the internet. If you don't believe us, screw you. But go the, check it out. And the best, Jerry. The best. It's the best. Around. At Freeze Motor Functions on Instagram. We just cracked 4,000 Instagram followers. Fuck yeah. Suck our dicks. Thank you to everybody who follows. Keep on following. Let's keep it going. That's a lot of followers. That's an impressive amount. Shouts to intern Serena for all the awesome Photoshop she does, which got us those 4,000 followers. Shouts to intern Luke. Came through strong today. Hell yeah. Thanks, Luke. He, broke, he broke the fourth wall, and I feel like now we're going to have a third source of information here. I'm very excited about this. As long as it's not Micah, I'm okay with it. Got anybody but Micah. Anybody but Micah. Call into the cold line 888-6-FREEZE and if it is a good call, we will play it on Thursday's episode. Nothing is off limits except shit that you didn't come up with yourself. Right. Which, honor code. Honor code. T-shirts. We spent 15 years developing these T-shirts. Yes. You can't, imagine how many you've seen this thing play out this episode where the man in black where william is continuously visiting delos to try to make sure he has the correct iteration that's the kind of painstaking process we went through to create these t-shirts please purchase them here's how you can purchase them go to grandexshop.com and hit freeze on motor functions or go to our social we're gonna have links very accessible for you there links link 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 hey and, quick plug for oh, me shit if you like game of thrones we're doing a rewatch on my game of thrones podcast oysters clams and cockles is the title you can find it on itunes same place as you find freeze all motor functions it's a very similar setup except of course right now we are in the off season so my co-host barrett dudley and i are doing a rewatch of every episode of the entire show starting with season one episode one it is filled to the brim with spoilers so if you are a new game of thrones fan or trying to catch up before season eight Stay the fuck away. This is not for you. If you are doing a rewatch for your own purposes and you want to go into the final season of the show as prepared as possible, Oysters, Clams, and Cockles is the podcast for you. Check it out. We appreciate you. NPR style sign off Freeze All Motor Functions is brought to you by Grand X Media and hosted by me, Jared Borislow, along with Ross Bolin. Luke Schultz produced the show and talked on it. Special thanks to Phil from DC, aka Schnapple, on SoundCloud for our intro music. Brad Hess for our outro music, and intern Serena, who does insanely awesome Westworld-themed Photoshop work for us that you can check out on our Twitter, at Freezo Motor, and IG, at Freezo Motor Functions. Buy a t-shirt. Dedication. Obviously. This is the most obvious dedication ever. R.I.P. Logan. See you Thursday. <laughs>